Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Great, so our reading from the Bible today is found in Psalm 73, which is also printed on your service sheet. But if you want to follow in the church Bibles, you can find it on page 586. This is Psalm 73, starting to read at verse 1. A Psalm of Asaph. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like, always carefree. They increase in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long... I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on a slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me... It is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. It's uh, great uh, to have you here. You're very, very welcome. Uh, My name is Paul Williams. I'm the vicar here. And it is uh, brilliant to be part of this. A couple of weeks ago, in preparation for this, I asked my Facebook friends, what's the greatest ever opening line of a song? I had tons of replies, 67 to be precise. Here are some of them. Now, you clearly want to be involved tonight, which is great. So I want a bit of audience participation here. I'll read the first line and you see if you can tell me the song and the artist. 
We'll start with a really easy one, okay? This could become mayhem, I can tell. Here's a really easy one. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody, Queen, that's right. Uh, how about this one? I got my first real six-string, bought it at the five and dime. Summer of 69, Brian Adams. I was happy, I'll see if you know this one. I was happy in the haze of a drunken hour. That's not the sort of thing you expect the vicar to say, is it? <laughs> the Smiths, well done. Uh, heaven knows I'm miserable now, very good. I'll speak to you later, Sheila. You're, uh, you're doing great. Now, uh, why? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's not me. This is the line. Uh, I don't know why I came here tonight. I get the feeling something's not right. Stuck in the middle with you. Somebody was saying that. Yes, yes, there we are. Uh, Steelers steal steal wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so no one told you life was going to be this way. <laughs> hey, I'll be there for you. Yes, Rembrandt's. Do you remember the Friends theme tune? So no one told you I was going to be this way. <laughs> okay, a couple more. Uh, libraries gave us power, then, came, then work came and made us free. Manic Street Preachers, very good. A design for life. This is my favourite. In fact, I don't think any of my friends said it was just me. On a dark desert highway, cool wind in my hair. The Eagles. Yeah, Hotel California. Last one. The distant echo of faraway voices boarding faraway trains to take them home to the ones that they love and who love them forever. Great line, isn't it? Where were you? Where were you in the 80s? Uh, down in the tube station at midnight, the jam. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> They're great songs, great memories. And great emotions. Songs, even first lines of songs, express our deepest feelings. And many of our favourite songs are actually laments, lamenting that things have gone wrong. And Melanie Hammett, you may never have heard of her, she sings a song that features in the film Coming of Age. In the film, it's sung by a young girl who's just been told that her parents are divorcing. Even as she grieves, she's in denial. Here's a little snippet, listen to this. Seems unfair each time I care. Someone starts hurting me. My feelings show because I know that's not the way it's hear the, the, the pain uh, this world isn't as it's supposed to be uh, these things that come crashing in and, and, and ruin life I'm looking for this other world that, uh, that isn't like this now I guess many of us can connect with that, I, I would imagine all of us can, uh, we, we've not all experienced the pain of a broken home but we know the pain of living in a world where things are not as they are supposed to be 
We know it on a global scale. Peter's already prayed uh, for some of these things. Every time we open our newspapers and turn on our television news, we see thousands and thousands of people displaced from their homes because of war. People now forced to risk life and limb to find refuge in Europe. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Or the terrorist attacks that hit our world at regular intervals, a train in France, a shrine in Bangkok, a beach in Tunisia, ordinary people going around their ordinary lives being killed and maimed. That's not the way it's supposed to be. But it's not just the global worldwide news stories that make us feel that way. Our everyday lives bring everyday struggles. Listen to the words of the Christian writer Paul David Tripp. He writes these words. Is there anything that is disappointing you right now? Is there a relationship or situation that's leaving you hurt and confused? Are there personal problems that you simply have not been able to solve? Do you ever feel alienated, alone or misunderstood? Have you had to deal with mistreatment or injustice lately? Have you been hurt, angry, fearful or discouraged? Is there any place in your life where you feel like giving up or giving in? Does your life ever seem much more complicated than it should be? Does it seem like you're always having to deal with obstacles of one kind or another? Do you wish you didn't have so many problems on your plate? Does it bug you that even the easy things in life don't turn out to be nearly as easy as you thought they would be? Are there problems in your past that still haunt you? Do you regularly face difficulties that you, uh, have sought, you've sought to solve but which still lie open and festering? Have you ever envied someone else's life? Have you ever wished you could start over in some area of life, but you know you can't? Have you ever felt too weak and too unqualified to deal with what is confronting you? Does your life seem to move too fast for you ever to catch up? Has there ever been a day in your life that was fundamentally problem-free? Every day of life, in big ways or small, we feel the frustration of living in a world that isn't the way it's supposed to be. So much of our experience in life just feels wrong. And so many of the songs we sing are an expression of living in a broken world or feeling let down and lonely. Look, it's great to have you here. Can I say welcome to anybody who's not been in here in this building before, all of you who are guests. Can I say especially welcome to the, the new students. It's brilliant to have you, I guess, most of you up there. Welcome, it's great to have you here. I wonder how fresh has been, uh, Freshers Week has been this week. Uh, You arrived a week ago, a little apprehensive, I'm sure, but excited about your new uh, university adventure, anticipating the beginning of of a future full of potential. But for some of you, I know this because I've heard the story already, within a week, life has knocked you back. You've felt lost at times and lonely, wishing you'd never even come to uni. And even those who have loved the first week of Sheffield. Uh, and you'll love all your your years in Sheffield, at some point, life will knock you back. You'll get a great education and still be unable to get a job. Some of you will be struck down by illness, then there'll be the pain of broken relationships. Welcome to Sheffield. (laughs) But the point is, this world is so mixed up, we don't even know how to make friends anymore. A friend of mine posted this on Facebook feed uh, this week. I'm trying to make friends outside of Facebook while applying the same principles. Therefore, every day I go down to the street and tell the passers-by what I've eaten, how I feel, (laughs) what I've done the night before. I give them pictures of my family, my dog, and of me gardening, taking things apart in the garage and standing in front of landmarks and having lunch. 
I also listen into their conversations, give them thumbs up and tell them I like them. <laughs> and it works like Facebook. I already have three people following me, two police officers and a psychiatrist. <laughs> it's not the way it's supposed to be. Now, the point is life is mixed up, so often we express the pain we feel in the songs that we sing. And the Bible songbook, the, the Psalms, are littered with that same feeling. Uh, read with me again and look again at the, uh, the reading that Joe read for us uh, just a little bit earlier. Back to page two of our service order. Listen again to the opening lines of the psalm that we had read. Verse one. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd almost lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You hear the cry of this songwriter. Wicked people prosper. It's not fair. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Wicked people should be brought to justice. Good people should prosper. But we live in a topsy-turvy, upside-down world full of inequality and injustice. And when this songwriter saw that in the world, it left him confused. He believed in God. He'd been raised to believe that there was a God. He'd been told that God was a good God. But when he looked at the world around him, it caused him to question, is God really a good God? Do you feel the reality of this song? If God's really there and he's really good, why doesn't he do something about all the wrong in the world? Why is it the way we don't want it to be? This songwriter, his major angst came from seeing people getting away with murder. Well, if not literally, then metaphorically. He looks at wicked people and he says, look at verse four, they have no struggles, their bodies are healthy and strong. How is it that, that selfish people get all the good looks? They're beautiful, tanned, fit, slim, gorgeous. Nothing ever seems to go wrong for them, he says. Verse five, they're free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills. <laughs> Redundancy is not a word in their vocabulary. They're always lucky in love as well. They're a picture of health, verse five. These people are not plagued by human ills, never struck down by sickness. And maybe it's because life goes so well for them that they kind of become a bit obnoxious, verse six. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. They're so full of themselves. They think nothing of steamrolling over anyone else who gets in their way. Yeah, they clothe themselves with violence, all right. They're always on the make at someone else's expense, ducking and diving, scheming and conniving. That's verse seven. From their callous hearts come iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. See, they seem to have no conscience. They don't lose sleep over the trail of broken lives that they leave behind them. They have no concern for others. Get in their way and they will happily walk all over you. Verse eight. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Don't get in my way. Don't you dare cross me. It's a brilliant description of people who seem to get away with murder, you see. Now, maybe as we've been reading this, you know someone just like this, uh, someone who's crossed you, and just thinking about them begins to make your blood boil. We despise people like that. And that said, while we resent them, truth be told, we find ourselves kind of envying them. That is the point of verse 3. Because everything goes so well for them, everything they touch turns to gold and we don't like it. 
We don't like them, but we kind of wish we were them. That's verse three, the wicked prosper and I envy them. Now we met these sorts of people. They think they're so great. They even push, push God off his throne. Verse nine, their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. The world really is their oyster. They don't seem to have a care in the world, verse 12. This is what the wicked are like, always carefree. They increase in wealth. They've got everything they need and more. And when those people take control of the world and walk all over good people, it is very hard to take. Many of the the gospel songs, the great spirituals of the past, are cries to God asking him to change the situation. We heard the the choir sing just before I stood up, a roll, Jordan, roll. It featured in that harrowing film, 12 Years a Slave, a film which tells one story in the appalling slave trade in the US in the mid-19th century. In that film, roll, Jordan, roll, uh, in that film, 12 uh, Years a Slave, roll, Jordan, roll was sung around the grave of a slave who've just been so mistreated that they've lost their life. Roll, Jordan, roll is a cry to God for a better life. A better life to come. It's the longing of our hearts. This isn't the way it should be. I don't want to live in a world like this. I want to be living in a world that is free from all this rubbish. We all feel it sometimes. And if we're believers, we find ourselves crying out to to God to ask him to deliver us. And in this song, Psalm 73 the songwriter begins to do just that and to begin to see that God will do something. Now look at the bottom of page two and verse 16. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. He says, I can't make sense of the gross injustice in the world until, verse 17, until I entered the sanctuary of God and then I understood their final destiny. Uh, The sanctuary, the the Jewish temple, the place where you'd go to meet God. In God's presence, the songwriter begins to get answers to his questions. Crucially, he gets assurance that God isn't ignoring all that's going on in the world. He gets the assurance that people won't get away with murder. End of verse 17, he learns about their final destiny. That is the final destiny of those who've ignored God all their lives. He says, justice will be done. And then using very powerful poetic pictures, in verses 18 to 20, he describes the fate of all who've not made their peace with God. Uh, First, in verse 18, it's the picture of a, a rock climber. A climber who's about to reach the summit, about to conquer the mountain. Picture it in your mind. He's just about to to get to the top and then he loses his grip and falls hundreds of feet to his death. Dashed on the rocks below to ruin. Just moments before he seemed to be so successful. Like the rock climber, those who ignore God seem to be climbing so high. But when they come before the Lord God Almighty, they will be brought crashing down, he says. The second picture in verse 19 is of of an idyllic stroll by the seaside, then going horribly wrong. You can imagine the report in the newspaper. A young couple were yesterday swept away by a freak wave while enjoying a walk by the sea. The report would tell how they were walking among the rock pools when out of the blue and totally unexpected, a freak wave washed them out to sea. The report continues, the Coast Guard has called off the search 
and all hopes of finding them alive has been lost, swept away. For those who live without God, life may seem as idyllic and perfect as a holiday stroll by the seaside without a care in the world. But in an instant, at the end of their lives, they'll be swept away to destruction. And the third picture in verse 20 is of having a wonderful dream. Have you ever had one of those dreams when you, when you wake up and you want to go straight back to sleep because it's such a good dream? You want to see how the dream ends. It was so enjoyable. And no matter how hard you try, you either can't get back to sleep or if you do, you don't get back into that dream because it was never real. Just a fantasy. That's verse 20. And that's how it will be at death for any who are not ready to meet their maker. On the final day, they're going to wake up with a start as they discover that to ignore God is to live a life like a dream world. They're arresting pictures and they are terrifying. But for the psalmist, they're also wonderfully reassuring. And they can be for us too. See, as we look at this world and cry, that's not the way it's supposed to be. God assures us there will be a final day of reckoning. The wicked will not get away with murder. Justice will be done. God is a good God. He doesn't turn a blind eye to evil and rebellion. And we'll see that on the final day. That's very good news. It's right that wickedness is punished. Evil matters to God. Murder matters to God. Six million Jews matter to God. 9-11 matters to God. What's happening in Syria at the moment matters to God. The plight of refugees matter to God. Terrorist attacks in Tunisia and Bangkok matter to God. God will judge wickedness. That is good news. But it's also very bad news. Because if we're honest with ourselves, there's plenty in our own lives that is not right. And one day I'm going to stand before Almighty God and I will stand before him with a blotted copybook. The poet John Clare wrote, if life had a second edition, how I would correct the proofs. You know that feeling of wishing you could turn the clock back, do it all over again. If not all over again, relive the bits where you really messed up. I've got loads of those regrets, skeletons in the cupboard. I guess you have too. The world isn't the way it's supposed to be and I'm the part of the problem. I've hurt other people. Professionally, I've made bad decisions and and, and said things and acted in ways that caused others great distress. Personally, I've hurt people I barely know, spoilt their day. I've used sharp words to people in telephone conversations, in telephone call centres somewhere in Asia ruin their day because I was sharp with them I know they shouldn't have rung me in the first place but I still shouldn't be sharp with them and then I've been aggressive and unkind to company representatives on the other end of the line because I've been badly hurt and then I hurt them if we look honestly at our lives we know we're part of the problem and that's bad news because it says we're not ready to meet our maker we too are going to be judged So as we close, let me take you back to the sanctuary, verse 17. Do you remember in the sanctuary, in the temple, the psalmist saw things from God's perspective. And crucially in the temple, he'd have seen something else. In the temple, there was an altar. On the altar, sacrifices were made. Pure, unblemished animals were slaughtered. Bulls and goats and lambs 
brought in to be sacrificed. They died for the wrongdoing of the people of Israel. And every time an animal was sacrificed in the temple, it said, sin is so bad, someone must pay. You can pay for sin yourself or you can give a substitute in your place to take your punishment. The temple was crucial because it said God has made provision for someone else to pay. But none of those sacrifices in the temple, the bulls and the goats and the lambs, none of them were enough to deal with my sin. That's why people kept going back day after day with yet another sacrifice. But here's the wonderful thing about the Christian gospel. There came a day when God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, would come and die on a cross. As a sacrificial lamb, when Jesus walked onto the stage of history, somebody said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In a world of injustice, Jesus knew all about injustice. Every kind of injustice. He was wrongly accused, betrayed by a friend, brought before a kangaroo court, deserted by those he loved. He was an innocent man. He was beaten with sticks and had thorns pushed into his head, flogged to within an inch of his life. And then if that wasn't enough, they took him and they put nails through his hands and through his feet and hung him out to die on a cross. Here was God himself in Jesus Christ, the most loving man who ever lived, dying a cruel death that he didn't deserve. That's not the way it's supposed to be. He was the only one who ever lived this planet, a completely innocent person. But that's exactly why he could be our substitute. To suffer so that we don't have to take the punishment. And he was willing to do that because he loves you. Here then is the good news of the Christian gospel. There will be a day of reckoning. Justice will be done. No one will get away with murder. But while on the one hand that is very good news, it's also very bad news because when we look at our own lives, we know that we've messed up big time. So here's momentous news of Jesus Christ. In Christ, God says, I'll take the punishment for all your failings. I'll die for you. I love you that much. I'll die for you so that you can be forgiven. We sang it, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he was removed our transgressions from us. He dies so you can be forgiven, so you can face God on that day of reckoning with confidence. That is the brilliant good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can be forgiven made right to meet made ready to meet my god and then brought into a future world that will be just as it was supposed to be that's why we love to sing here because we've got the best news in the world to sing about well thanks very much for listening some of you will be saying uh, you know i want to know more about this uh, well we are running a christianity explored course in a couple of weeks time It begins on the 13th of October. There are leaflets like this all over the place. I'm going to have a whole bunch of them on me as I uh, stand at the door as you go out. If you'd like one of these, you'll see there's two courses, one in the morning, one in the evenings. You can come along on the 13th of October, morning or evening, and just see if you like it and uh, begin to explore how this can be true for you.